0: The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Jesus told his disciples a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said, In a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor regarded man, and there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, Vindicate me against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow bothers me, I will vindicate her, or she will wear me out by her continual coming. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says, and will not God vindicate his elect who cry to him day and night, Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will vindicate them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? The Gospel of the Lord. So, as is the case with some of the parables that the Lord gives, um, they get we get an explanation in terms of the intention uh, that is tied to them. So we know like the parable of the sower, once the Lord gives the parable of the sower, he then explains its meaning to his disciples. And so the scripture gives us here what the intention of what the Lord wants to teach his disciples is with regards to prayer, is that they ought to pray and not lose heart. Or in the Greek, it's to pray with perseverance, right? we not give up. Don't give up in prayer. And so to persevere in prayer, And then he shows through the example of this parable uh, what perseverance in prayer is able to obtain for us, which is basically anything that we ask for, so long as we are persevering, uh, trusting in God. And so what you see here is this example is given of an unjust judge who uh, neither fears God nor regards man, so he has no uh, fulfillment of the commandments to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, or to love your neighbor as yourself. So you can see he lives in a certain sense contrary to the, Lord's, the laws of God. So he is unjust, right? And this widow by her perseverance is able to draw, as we've said, justice from an unjust judge. So how much more can we not expect to draw mercy and justice from God who is merciful, from God who is just, from God who is love, right? We can draw all of these things from him uh, to a much greater degree with that perseverance that he calls us to. And to persevere in this prayer, and so this uh, widow, as the church fathers point out, she represents both the church, but also the individual souls that pray to God. So she represents the church who prays to God to be delivered from her adversary, which is the devil, right? So it is that God will send an answer, will send his vindication to us. The great mystery then says at the end, he says, Will not God vindicate his elect who cry to him day and night? Now, the mystery, especially in our time, is that the answer of God to our vindication against evil is something that is already present to us, someone who is already present to us. The answer to that prayer is already answered and present to us in Christ, in His salvation, in what He has won for us. We have already been vindicated. And so the answer to our prayer is at hand. And this is one of the mysteries, which is that in Christ we obtain the answer to every prayer that is in any way good, right? And so in Christ, He is the answer of God to our prayers. And so what we have in our instruction in the psalm for today is to remember always the mighty deeds of the Lord, right? To remember what He has done. So as we come to Him to petition other gifts and graces that we want uh, from Him, we must always do that with a grateful heart and a grateful heart is only a heart is a heart that considers what it has already received and is grateful for those gifts before it asks for other gifts if we are coming to the lord and asking for new gifts but we are not grateful for the things that he has already given us how will he be disposed to give us uh, more gifts and so a grateful heart shows a heart that is disposed to receive greater things, because it is grateful for the gifts that have already been given. And of all the things and gifts that God has given us, the gift of His Son is the greatest and sits at that pinnacle. And so what we have from the first reading today is, uh, through the Book of Wisdom, a beautiful uh, poetic imagery of what happens in the incarnation. So the moment where the Lord, where the Father, sends the answer to all of our prayers, sends the answer and the remedy for our vindication, and that answer is His Word. And so if we think about this first reading today in terms of uh, the birth of Jesus Christ in Bethlehem, Well, then I think it starts to make sense in terms of its fulfillment. It says, a gentle silence enveloped all things. And we think of the stillness of the night that happened at Bethlehem. And it says, the night is swift, in its swift course has now half gone. So this is the time for watchfulness, right? This is the middle of the night. It is a time to be watchful. It is a time to be waiting. It is also the time of stillness and the time of peace. And the time of gentleness, as it says, and the time of this kind of silence that is waiting. And then it says, Thy all powerful word leaped from heaven, from the royal throne, into the midst of the land that was doomed. And so you have this beautiful poetic imagery of the word of God as he has become incarnate and as he comes to stand in the midst of those who are doomed. But he comes in order to. Vindicate and to deliver. And so he leaps from the all powerful throne from heaven and he comes down to us. And in the midst of this land, it says he is a stern warrior carrying a sharp sword of thy authentic command, which is the sword of truth, right? So that sword of truth is what vindicates, that sword of truth is what delivers. And he stood. And he filled all things with death. That's a mysterious thing to say about the coming Christ, right? He fills all things with death. But what it means is that he brings death to death, right? That's what the church sings in terms of at the, when we celebrate the Paschal Mystery. He brings death to death, to so that ultimate punishment from sin he brings death. And so what happens is that death loses its sting because Christ has come to vindicate his people. And we can see this beautiful imagery of the incarnation when it says, and touched heaven while standing on earth, because he is the one in whom heaven and earth are united. And so it is this beautiful mystery of the incarnation and of the word coming to stand in our midst, And he comes for that purpose to vindicate, but also to renew. And so it says, And the whole creation in its nature was fashioned anew. The one, the word through whom all things was created, now he recreates, right? He recreates by his passion and death and his resurrection. Complying with thy commands, right? Obedient unto death, that thy children might be kept unharmed. And so again, it is by his death, by his paschal mystery, that he extends this saving power, salvation, Over all of us. And we become, the cloud, it says, was seen overshadowing the camp. And so what you have is this is the image of the cloud uh, or the Holy Spirit which overshadows Our Lady at the moment of the Annunciation. But it is also then the cloud, the Holy Spirit, which descends upon the camp or the church of God when you see it at the moment of Pentecost. And so it is the effect of Christ's passion and death that this cloud comes down again and descends upon his people, not as a sign, but as the reality of the presence of the Holy Spirit over his people so that they stand under his salvation, under his deliverance. And then this cloud is then what it says, and dry land emerged where, they had, where water had stood before. So where there was no, no way, now a way is made open because Christ is not only the truth, he is not only the life, he is also the way. And so it is this beautiful mystery of the incarnation as Christ makes a way for us where there was no way before. And so he opens up the waters so that we might be able to pass through to the Father and into eternity. And that's what it says, an unhindered way out of the Red Sea. So an unhindered way out of our slavery, an unhindered way out of sinfulness, an unhindered way out of uh, everything that is keeping us from the worship of God of God and from being with him for all eternity and where it leads it leads out a grassy plain out of the raging waves and a grassy plain for God's people is representative of food and nourishment it is where the uh, the flock of God can nourish themselves and so it represents how he also will feed his people and so this is another image of what happens in the incarnation is that the lord then feeds his people not with simply other food but with himself and so this is also another work of grace and another thing that he has done for us another mighty deed of god and then what happens is it says that uh, were those protected by the hand by thy hand passed through as one nation so also what happens in his incarnation is that the people become one again those who were scattered now become one flock after gazing on marvelous wonders. And so this is what is important as well, is that in order to foster gratitude, we must consider the, ones, the things that have already been done for us by God. These mighty works throughout salvation history that are now present and available to us. So before we come to the Lord to ask for other things, let us come to Him first and foremost to give thanks for all the gifts that He has given us, especially the gift of his Son, which is not a past gift, but a present gift, a gift that is present to us in the Blessed Sacrament, where his Son, his mighty Word, the one that has leaped down from heaven onto this earth that was doomed and has saved us, he is present to us in the tabernacle. He is here with us. I'll close just with another quote from Pope Francis that he uh, addressed to the American priests and bishops ahead of their Eucharistic Congress that they're going to be having. And he said, do not leave the Lord of the tabernacle alone. Do not leave the Lord of the tabernacle alone. Spend time with Jesus in silent adoration. He says, do not try to do with your hands what you have not done first with your knees. I think that's a very profound statement, right? Come to the Lord first. Give thanks first. Pray and petition first before we try to do anything else with our hands so that the work that we are called to first is the work of our knees the work of prayer, the work of gratitude, and the work of petition. Amen.